this week's episode, Lightyear Crash Lands for Pixar. Is Marvel reaching too far with Wonder Man? And who wins with the Umbrella Academy versus the Sparrow Academy? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support any of our great shows that are out there, including the Pop Culture Cosmos, of course, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer that's out there, so go ahead and check out our tremendous games we've had all weekend long, for instance, right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, also, you can go ahead and check out the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Of course, our website, popculturecosmos.com, Humanica Media, and everything that we do to support you out there in the world of pop culture and anything that you can do to support us as well, is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our own Josh Final Fantasy of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Humanica Media, where there's a ton of video stuff that you can go ahead and check out. Plus, he's always looking to do more work in the realm of video. So if you need a great videographer, and you want to go ahead and check out what he's doing today, please go ahead and do so at humanicamedia.com. His great podcast, Topicocalypse, and the Super BS Gamescast, plus his amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck, available right now at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is up? What's, what's going on, man? Happy Father's Day. Well, happy Father's Day to you and to everyone out there, all you great dads out there. Happy Father's Day to you as well. Hope it's been a good one for you. But Josh, part one of me eating crow this week, because what was the first thing that we learned in school together, in class together with the many courses that we took together at National University in journalism school? journalistic integrity i guess is that check your sources check your, check your sources, sources and right. recheck your sources all right well what's going on i'm i'm lost you're gonna have to bring me into the light here <sighs> yeah melinda's gonna let me have it on friday she really wanted to be on today but of course she's doing the vampires and vitae so please check out by the way vampires and vitae wherever you get your podcasts and also pop culture cosmos on facebook but she's gonna let me have it because I was so giddy, in a way, to see that Diablo 4 had been announced for Xbox Games Pass. And reading some of the many sites out there, some of them are not as detailed and some of them don't fact-check as well as others, simply stated that it was for PC and Xbox when it comes to a release next year. But... If you check further, also if you check out the press release that they sent out themselves, Blizzard did, and also other news outlets, more reputable news outlets than the ones I was actually looking at at the time, it's actually coming out to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 as well next year. So yeah, I kind of blew it. Oh, it's all good, man. I, I, well, no, I'm going to be eating some crow, and I'm actually going to be eating crow on the Friday show in front of Melinda, and I'm going to give her every chance to roast me as well. You know what's funny about this is that, you know, I was not expecting, I know, eating crow, now. crow man. Um, I wasn't expecting, though, Xbox to have Blizzard Activision announcements during their conference. You know, I wasn't expecting them to do that because the deal is not, from what I understand, the deal is not actually going to be finalized until next year sometime. Yeah, so absolutely. It just, you know, and, and 
anything that they would have to because the the exclusive the exclusivity is supposed to kick in when the deal kicks in so anything that's in development right now is not going to be exclusive as far as i know so i, I don't Plus know also that... as well some of these ips have certain contracted licenses that they yeah. actually already went in and you know, like for I'm... instance they i'm sure diablo it's been in development for a long time, so I'm not. Yeah, sure. and they already agreed to that with PlayStation a long yeah. time ago on Diablo Four. So, yeah, too yeah. late to back out now on that. Plus, like you said, it's not going to go through officially until next year. But right, <sighs> it's, I don't know. Just it, the the that kind of thing kind of reminds me of like um, Starfield, right? Because there's is exclusive to Xbox, so obviously there's something in the contract when the deal went through saying that it's going to be exclusive to Xbox. So things could change you know when that contract when the the deal finalizes as uh, things could change but yeah as of right now everything's multi-console uh, except for starfield starfield except. is going to yeah yeah no no i'm talking about for activision blizzard yeah, stuff so. yeah activision blizzard stuff yeah that's still going to be across platform I, I i still assume that call of duty will be cross-platform even in the future i really don't think that one's going to be something that is going to stay and a console exclusive i think there's just too much money on the board for them especially you know having the number one video game each and every year seemingly for almost the past 15 years outside of any gta or red dead redemption they've been the number one video game seller each and every year so i i expect call of duty to stay cross-platform i think that it would be yeah the, i would think it would be great for xbox if it was just a, a xbox exclusive well, there's yeah. just too much money on the table for that. Right. And Phil Spencer's even said, like, if something is profitable on a certain platform, then it does not it doesn't make sense financially to take that game away from that platform. And I I don't know. I, I don't know, like, who plays what on which console, but a majority oh, of the people that Melinda I know has said she will not ever get on an Xbox. So I have this theory with, like, my parents, too, like they don't want to watch any new movies because they don't you know that they're just, it's so far removed from their likes beliefs and all that and i'm like you're missing out on a lot of great stories because you're refusing to watch something just because it has one minor thing you disagree with the same thing with video games a lot of great narratives out there that you're going to miss out on because you a die hard playstation fan die or die hard, yeah, hard xbox yeah. fan vice yeah. versa yeah, I, I and, and you know me like I'm the ultimate Xbox fanboy, but I still love my PlayStation games. You know, same thing with Nintendo. So it's but yeah, it, it's the the exclusivity thing's interesting. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance Diablo could change. It's gonna go to PC no matter what because that's kind of yes. like home base for those games. But well, that's Xbox Games Pass too. Anywhere yeah, you go oh, ahead and push that. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, and when we get into the uh, Final Fantasy talk, I have some thoughts on the ex more exclusivity stuff, but eating that crow man eating that crow i'm gonna be eating a lot of it on the friday show so if you want to see me humiliated even more and you want to see me actually roasted you know what online go and check out the pc multiverse coming up yes. later this week even better though i'm gonna we're gonna put this this poll out on the pop culture cosmos page oh, xbox versus playstation let's see what the fans have to say and and be honest okay like i i'm totally fine if you roast xbox i just like it more because of the the ecosystem's friendlier how about i will pin it on our facebook and twitter let's put those are two but, most popular but here's the thing i don't want to just know xbox versus playstation i don't want you just to answer xbox or playstation i want to know why okay that or that, what, why would you not include, include nintendo though or pc yeah yeah i mean nintendo Let's just do Xbox versus PlayStation because this is where the water gets gets the hottest. Everybody, okay. no matter what console you own, still owns a Switch of, of some type. Okay. I want to know Xbox versus PlayStation and why. I want to right. let, let's just get these get these feelings out into the out into the world. I want to know. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on it ahead of time, please let us know. PlayStation versus Xbox for you, or do you want to? Go ahead and say you choose Nintendo or your PC over everything else. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com or PopCultureCosmos on our social media, especially Facebook and Twitter at PopCultureCosmos on Twitter and, of course, PopCultureCosmos on Facebook as well. But before we get to even anything else in the show, I also want to go ahead and give everybody an update that we also talked about on the Friday show. And that is Vince McMahon's continual trouble in regards to the controversy, in regards to the $3 million 
Can you tell Hush me what man. he did? I, I'm I'm confused. I've read so many different articles and oh, heard okay. from different people. Well, can the Wall like, Street. Well, I can. Yeah, I will tell yeah, you the Wall Street Journal. Summarized. Yeah, they they actually posted an article that says since April, the WWE board, which has supreme power over everybody, even the CEO Vince McMahon himself, who owns eighty percent, I think, of the controlling stock in the company and all that yada yada. From what I've been able to ascertain over the course of the past couple of days. They have been investigating him since April in regards to a possible up to $3 million hush money that they gave a former paralegal for the company. She started out as a individual with $100,000 a year in her first year, made up to $200,000 a year in her second year. It was believed somewhere along there she started a behind-the-scenes relationship. Uh, we'll just leave it at that with Vince McMahon and then at some point in time into also a relationship with head of talent relations uh, as well. So that is a problem that's out there. So for both the WWE and Vince McMahon, so that's something that I think people are going to have to go ahead and talk about with the head of talent relations as well. John Lauren in the fray. Vince McMahon has since stepped down as CEO, I don't know if it's temporary or permanent. I have to think it's temporary at this point in time. Stephanie McMahon, who was on a leave of absence from the company as far as being in charge of head of creative, she has come in as the interim CEO to run the day-to-day operations. Vince McMahon is still involved as far as with creative decisions. He is still the man in charge to talk to in regards to that. He was actually appeared on WWE SmackDown, everybody thought it was going to be something juicy or he come, came out to apologize or address the situation. He didn't. He just said, basically, welcome to SmackDown and just a couple words and then left. So it was basically an idea to go ahead and get a ratings bump, and which it did. It got a ratings bump <laughs> for nice. that period of time. So that's smart on his part. So I give him that. But that's where we're at right now. I think over the next few days, as this investigation continues with the WWE, we'll see if it actually is going to be the one controversy that's going to take them down because this company has had a ton of controversy over the years and nothing has seemed to go ahead and stick when it comes to Vince McMahon. So we'll see if this one sticks as well. Yeah, you know, this this could be one of two things. Like one, they're going to investigate and then they're going to find a bunch of other dirt on him. Or two... It's just like you said, maybe it is a maybe it's a stunt, man. Everything in WWE is fake. So No, this is legit. This I would have to say because this is a publicly traded company. No, you could, I know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just kidding. But I, yeah, I can't say this at an angle. They might turn it to an angle. They might turn it into a storyline. Yeah. That's a different thing. But if that's the case, I think that would be very trepidatious ground that you'd be walking on there if they did. right right yeah i don't i mean honestly it wouldn't surprise me if vince mcmahon was doing that but i've actually heard a lot of things like behind the scenes you know on other podcasts people who are formerly employed by them saying that he he is pretty shady so i don't don't know we'll see we'll we'll see indeed but yes he's done not everything on the up and up over the years i've obviously to put him in the place that he's in in the business and the company and the industry that he's in which is always been an industry which has not done everything on the 100% up and up in its way it's treated its consumer base out there. This is not surprising to me at all in the least. Do you think that, I mean, and we can move on here in a minute, but do you think that just just like the, the whole television movie lifestyle, you think they kind of set people up to become that though in a way? I think it's just like any industry that's out there. I mean, I've met people throughout the course of my life. In fact, I, I was manager in several different companies over the course of many years. I don't put anything past anybody in corporate America these days, not yeah, just the wrestling yeah. industry. It's Michael Douglas from Wall Street. Oh, yeah. He, when he said greed is good. And, be, you know, you saw everything that went happened there. And if you've ever seen mm-hmm. that movie, you understand what, that it parallels life that greed gets to the best of us and unfortunately it can't do that so yeah i think that at this point in time i wouldn't put it just past you know anybody with the wwe i would just go ahead and say this is something that's a recipe or entertainment as a whole this is just a recipe that could happen in any industry or background right yeah because you you hear about i mean you're right it probably takes place all over the place you just the entertainment industry just has the uh, curse of being covered constantly by exactly exactly 
But what are your thoughts out there on the latest controversy at the WWE with Vince McMahon? Do you think this is finally the end of Vince McMahon and him controlling the WWE? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a ton of things, including Lightyear, Umbrella Academy. Going to remind you of the Steam Summer Sale coming up this week and an even better deal from Amazon. We're also going to be talking about some good stuff on Paramount Plus, Wonder Man, Scorn versus the Callisto Protocol, and of course, Capcom and Final Fantasy as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Mr. Josh Culture Cosmos, a.k.a. Josh Peterson, along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And big shout out to all of our radio stations that are out there. Please go ahead and check them out and support them as best you can. And once again, a happy Father's Day to everyone out there as well. Before we hit the mid-card break, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and run down a couple things that's going on. And the major thing that's going on in the news is the disappointing results and returns for the front weekend for Lightyear. Pixar's Lightyear, Disney Pixar's Lightyear underperformed quite a bit because people were looking at a 70 to $80 million upfront with about $130 million worldwide in its first weekend. Unfortunately, it did not even come close to that. It actually did not even finish number one at the box office. The Dinosaurs for Jurassic World Dominion actually finished number one here domestically and number one worldwide with the sad part. I think that it fell to three worldwide. Number three Lightyear did worldwide with only an $86 million return because Top Gun Maverick is still surprising audiences as it hits $900 million in the not too distant future. And it looks like it's going to go over a billion with plenty of room to spare. Lightyear, unfortunately, again, finished in the low 50s in the U.S. this weekend, around $51 million. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Is this the beginning of the end for Pixar on the theatrical format? Because they have found tremendous success with Soul and especially Turning Red, which has been a massive success on Disney+. Plus. Could this now be a precursor? With the disappointing returns for Lightyear now that Pixar movies will now go straight to Disney Plus. I think it's circumstantial. You know, you're looking at looking at let me let me pose a question to you real quick. Okay. If you had not seen Top Gun, you haven't seen Jurassic Park, and your family was like, Hey, it's Father's Day weekend. Let's go to the movies. You get to choose Top Gun, Jurassic Park, or Lightyear. What would be your choice? Well, I think at this point, if I hadn't seen all three, I'd probably say Top Gun because it seems to be the one still captivating the most interest seemingly out there because of the fact it's still, it fell just behind, even though it's several weeks old now, it fell just behind Lightyear domestically and worldwide. I think it still snuck out number two ahead of Lightyear. So it's still earning a ton of cash around. So that word of mouth has been tremendous for it. Jurassic World Dominion did drop substantially, but not substantially enough. So there is some good word like yours out there, which I mentioned on the Friday show. You had a good review of it, despite what the critics have been talking about. It's still held enough and it's still doing pretty good itself. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But looking at like critical thoughts aside, like they're releasing a kids movie on Father's Day weekend. Like, I, I don't know what the thinking behind that was. Like, if you want to set a movie up, it, it's like releasing a movie on the same day as an Avengers movie. You know, yeah. like, if you want to set something up to fail, this was the perfect way to do it. You know, like, it, it's just, I don't know what's going on at Pixar. Like, I haven't watched Buzz Lightyear. All I've seen on Buzz Lightyear is, like, everyone talking about the controversial stuff in Lightyear. I, I, I haven't really dug into any of that stuff, but, like, I if, if if someone were to ask me what do you want to go see Top Gun Jurassic Park or Lightyear I would tell you Jurassic Park or Top Gun you know I would not go to see this is not a movie 
and not sorry this is not a weekend where dads are taking their kids to see movies this is a weekend where families are t- or kids are taking their fathers to see movies it's just i don't know what do you think i mean do you think that this is uh that i'm off here or what what are your thoughts no that's actually a very good perception that because father's day hey dad you pick the movie that we go check out and you, like you said now you got the dinosaurs still out there and you've got top gun maverick that's still out there as well both very prevalent out there and what is interesting to me is that the the inference I got was that the studio was kind of disappointed in turning red, not becoming a theatrical release, but it and, all worked. It, it worked out well right. because it did such massive numbers on Disney mm-hmm. plus. Yeah. But, and, and they were, they were ecstatic that, that at least Lightyear was going to be going to this format, but they have to be disappointed with the initial returns. Yeah, and this is a big thing, too, is that because of Disney+, Plus, you're taking away a lot of interest in kid, you know, parents taking their kids to see movies like this in theater. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not just a Toy Story property, but if they tried to do some kind of, like, I don't know, Little Mermaid or or Beauty and the Beast spinoff in a Pixar format, I think that we would see similar results because parents are just like, well, let's just wait till it comes to uh, Disney Plus to watch well, it. Well, you, you see know? that with, I think, with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because the mm-hmm. fact that as Disney Plus gets larger with its consumer base, you're yeah. going to see more things like this because this was a movie that was expected to do over a billion dollars. It will probably not reach that $1 billion mark. If it oh, does, it's sure. just going to eke over it. It's over 900 but still, yeah. it was expected to do, I think, a little bit more than that. But I think a lot of people out there are, you know, are waiting for it. And guess what? It comes out this week to Disney+. Plus. So they didn't have to wait that long for it to come out to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. If that's the case, I think with Lightyear, they're going to say, okay, it's going to come out in July. I'll just mm-hmm. go ahead and check it out then. Yeah, and if you look at it like Top Gun and Jurassic Park are both like iconic pop culture properties, the studio heads and the people in charge of the movie have been very vocal about saying, Hey, these are not going to be hitting streaming platforms for yeah, a while. They're not going to hit Peacock and Paramount Plus anytime soon. So. Yeah, and so I think that's the big difference here is Disney has this giant, this massive platform where they're they're putting things out. I think it, it was like a um, it's a like six a, week window, six week window. Yeah, six week turnaround. So parents like why you know like I or I want to yeah yeah. So I mean I don't I don't think it really matters that that it's like a Toy Story property or whatever property it might be. Parents are going to look at it and say, oh well, it's just going to be on Disney Plus here soon, anyways. What do we pay this eight dollars a month for if if we're not going to use it? So well, you remember earlier this century where movies would be out and you could always say, okay, well I'm going to catch it on DVD or videotape, and you would have to go ahead and say to yourself, okay, if I do that, it's going to be six to nine months. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, I have to give myself six to nine months for Top Gun and possibly as well Jurassic World Dominion. It is going to be maybe not six to nine months, but it's still going to be a little bit of wait before you see it on those platforms. Oh, for People sure. with Disney Plus and also as well with HBO Max, you're seeing those quick turnarounds like The Secrets of Dumblesnore, which I actually caught the other Did day. Was that on purpose or was that a That was on purpose, yes. After the Book of Slow Buffet, you know, I know you saw it, you liked it. I thought it was okay. It was just slow. It was, was when I say it was okay, I'm comparing it to the last one. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yes, yeah, that that was horrible. But yeah, this was okay. It was not, it was, I was, it was, it was entertaining. You know, it was Secrets of Double Snore, but it was slow. I didn't fall asleep. Right, right. I fell asleep in the last one, but this one I was like, I was like semi awake for. So it was okay. But you got to admit, this one was slow. So. It, it was it's not it's not harry potter by any stretch of the imagination no, no, i think they keep sure. trying to capture that magic it's just yeah, not happening. no no the secrets of dumble snore indeed but it was okay but just slow but i will say that when it comes to light year i think a lot of people are pointing to disney plus and i don't think that's a wrong perception that no. disney plus and its success is going to be the cause of more than one movie from Disney being released, you know, with the understanding, hey, I can just go ahead and check it out in a few weeks. And I know it's going to be there. So that's pretty much what's going to come down to it. But it is light year. It did have a disappointing performance. But let us know if you've actually seen the movie, your thoughts on it. It's getting mediocre reviews. It's still on Rotten Tomatoes. Got over, you know, got a right around 80% approval rating there. It's not got a high Metacritic, but still 
seemingly the word of mouth is that it's uh, got a okay A minus coming out of there as far as the audience box score is concerned. But please let us know what your thoughts on Lightyear are, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we hit the break, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and touch on Umbrella Academy, which is coming out this week to Netflix, season three. And it's going to start off with maybe a confrontation between the Sparrow Academy, which is at the home of the Umbrella Academy. So your thoughts, the reviews in advance of this season have been okay on it, not quite as high as seasons past. I know we always like to equate the Doom Patrol, of course, the boys, which is going on right now with another solid season in the books. I really am enjoying it. It's it's not quite the wow factor I've had with last season or the season before, but still pretty good with the boys. Your thoughts on Umbrella Academy as it hits season three. So uh, I'm still catching up on the boys, but this is the climb right here. This is the, the true test of a show's metal is whether or not it can survive a third season and still feel like it's presenting you with fresh and exciting things. You know, I've heard the same thing about season three of the boys. Like it's, it's cool, but it's not anywhere near as exciting or intriguing as, you know, season one or even season two. They're developing the characters more. They're, I think yeah. that, that the pacing and the action is going to take a, a back seat because of it. Yeah. And, you know, you saw, you saw this with Stranger Things, too, except it was the second season that people yeah. were down on versus the third. But this is like this is the test, though. This is the, I think the average Joe's perception of Umbrella Academy season three is going to be kind of dis- the deciding factor. And like, where does the show go from here? My wife just showed me trailers for it last night. I'm excited, but it's one of those things, you know, people are still watching Stranger Things and they have another season. Like, it's a very small window to release this property in. I would have waited until August to push this out because we got July 1st. We got Stranger Things season four. Like, Stranger Things is Netflix's flagship right now. And so to release this show in between the two parts of this massive series is not smart but that's not to say people aren't gonna you know they'll have because you've also got the elsa pataki movie that did well Mm -hmm. the earlier part of this month then you've got her husband chris hemsworth he's got his movie spiderhead that just came out as well and then you're asking umbrella academy to in this two-week window to do some numbers for you and that's asking a lot like you said Mm -hmm. you literally it's like 10 days before everybody goes ahead and switches back to stranger things yeah and I like I can tell you that I'm going to I'm going to start it because I'm my wife really likes that show. But we're probably only going to get it about halfway through that before we switch back to Stranger Things. And then we'll probably go back to Umbrella Academy just because we, you know, we're not we don't we're not at a point in our lives where we can sit down and binge something like a lot of people are able to. So, <laughs> well, I mean, and your kids are older too, so you're not having to like change diapers and make sure they don't starve or kill each I'll other. I'll leave that to you now. <laughs> Happy Father's but, Day. Yeah, thank you. No, anyways, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch. I, the, the trailers do have a lot of intrigue, and I remember sitting there in the end of the last season, be like, "What the heck, man!" And then, uh, you know, that was what was that was like almost a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, no. but I I love the way that they end their seasons, though. Both always times they come out with a shocker. Gerard Way, man. Like, you know, we always talk about these actors having these renaissances in their career. Like, Gerard Way, like, look at he's doing Umbrella Academy. He's working on something else. I forget the name of it. Oh, he has a Danger Days, like, adaptation coming out. And then uh, My Chemical Romance is doing another album. Like, he's, he's coming back in a big way. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see with all these projects in the air, if he's going to be able to keep this momentum and keep his content as fresh and exciting as it has always been. Well, we'll certainly see what's coming up for those in the umbrella Academy as season three hits this week at Netflix. Are you a fan of umbrella Academy and are you going to catch season three coming this week on Netflix? Please let us know pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com plus also anywhere you get your social media right there at the pop culture cosmos coming up after the break we're going to be talking some wonder man we're also going to be talking about scorn versus the Callisto protocol some capcom and final fantasy steam has a summer sale going on and of course some stuff that you should check out on paramount plus that's coming up after the break this is the pop culture cosmos 
And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV. Canada. My friend, so much to talk about on the back half of the program. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Wanted to go ahead and give everybody a reminder once again, like I did on Friday, the Steam Summer Sale is coming out this week. If you're a PC gamer, this is the time to open up that wallet and start spending some cash because there's some really some good deals. I know they're going to come along the way for a lot of major games. Maybe even some, you know, Elden Ring action there. We don't know for sure, but everybody seems to be hoping also, that. Also, Elden Ring's on sale at Target right now for about four. Oh, there you go, there you go, indeed. So hopefully you'll see some good sales on some great games coming up here for PC lovers out there on the Steam Summer Sale. I did want to mention again. Speaking of Prime Day, Amazon is advancing that a little bit by going ahead and trying to beat Steam at their own game with some free games, including. Mass Effect, the Legendary Edition, that is going to be available for free this week for PC owners on Amazon. So go ahead and check that out. Plus Grid Legends, a few Star Wars games, and 30 games in total starting on the 21st will be available for free. I think they're going to do it little by little by little. They're going to spread them out after in a little period of time. So they're going to go ahead and Spread that out to you. But 30 games will be available for free off of Amazon Prime for Amazon Prime holders out there for their Steam PC games as well. So check that out. Wanted to go ahead and mention, speaking of games, Scorn versus the Callisto Protocol. Both of these games were recently announced and also showcased off at the Xbox Showcase for one and the PlayStation State of Play for the other, plus also Jeff Keighley's Summer Showcase as well or Summer Game Fest, I should call They all have these fancy names. But I wanted to go ahead and, and talk to you about, as a man who loves his Dead Space, the original creepy space horror game that I think has just captivated people throughout the years. I know they're going to be redoing some love to it once again. So EA will be doing something in the Dead Space vibes in the not-too-distant future. But until then... We have not one, but two games coming out later this year, I believe in October for one and December for the other in Scorn and the Callisto Protocol. Your thoughts on which one you like more, which one you think will do better. My money, I think right now is on the Callisto Protocol. I really like that one a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And speaking of the Dead Space remake, like all three of these games are coming out within four months of each other because the yeah. Dead Space remake, I think, is February or March. But, yeah. you know, looking at Callisto Protocol, if you looking at this, like it's hard to believe that this was originally set in the PUBG universe. But then they're like, oh, this is so far removed from what's going on in PUBG. And PUBG is kind of failing right yeah. now. So that is probably a smart idea to kind of like tear it away from that a little bit. Yeah looking at it though like i think we're we're peddling two different types of fears with these games like i think Callisto protocol much like dead space is more of like a visceral type of fear like you're constantly looking around at what's going to pop out at you whereas the where a scorn is going to be more of like a well it's uh, almost like a do-it-yourself own adventure with scorn but it's you know right. a lot of horror a lot of a lot of blood yeah not it's, very it's much as far visual. as storytelling it's yeah uh, it's, it's a it's they're going for the shock factor type of fear it's like the difference between like a paranormal horror movie versus a just like a, a stab em up type film you know i'm intrigued by scorn I, I probably will play it once it hits games pass but of course you know if you're gonna ask me like what game if i were going to buy either of those games and i didn't have access to games pass and you're gonna ask me like what game i would choose definitely callista protocol because it looks like it not only has like cool gameplay like the dead space style gameplay but it has an intriguing story where scorn is like oh there's an arm popping out of a wall there's an arm with legs there's a leg with a face and you know it's just it's body horror at its finest i just think that because it's going to tell a, a better narrative i think because they've all out and out said at scorn they're not going to try and give you a, they're, they're, there's not dialogue 
with scorn. It's just basically yeah. a lot of visual intake that you're going to be doing. And of course the, you know, the shock and horror, the shock and awe is what you're going to be going there for when it concerns scorn. Doom a little bit. Like, yeah, it's just like, let's uh, hear, here's some but cool. They've, they've been clear to say it's not a shooter. It's a first person adventure, is it? but it's not a shooter. Oh, that's, that's kind of like the medium where you're kind of like just walking or you remember that game, the medium that's a game yeah. was on games pass not too long ago. You're just kind of like walking around and, hiding from things they said there's elements of a shooter but it's there they said specifically that they don't want it called a shooter so interesting yeah yeah so it's kind of weird there where it's going to lie and if it's going to capture the general audience out there and gamers out there when it comes to the clue protocol that is going to be like you said have more of those dead space vibes and tell more of a straightforward story yeah. and a narrative which i think more people might gravitate to so but that's again a lot of it's going to be based off of word of mouth and yeah. you know value for your money how long is the gameplay and the adventure you know we'll go ahead and check all that out and probably report on it as the year ends when both these games has come out like i said one in october one in december so we'll see what happens there but it is the Callisto protocol versus scorn your thoughts on which one you're going to be targeting first? Are you going to be playing both? Or are you just staying away in horror from these horror games? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com or PopCultureCosmos on your social media as well. Well, still before the break, let's go ahead and talk about Wonder Man. Because Wonder Man, uh, an obscure Marvel hero, and that's something I think people are going to have to go ahead and, and come to reality to, is that as the Marvel Cinematic Universe expands and continues, they're going to have to try and, and create more ideas or grab more ideas from the past. And so more and more obscure characters from Marvel's past are going to be brought out to life. And Daniel Cretton, who we know from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, he pitched Marvel on it, and he it looks like he's going to go ahead and be the executive producer on the series for a Wonder Man. So as a comic book individual, much more deeper than I am, tell me a little bit about Wonder Man and if you think this character is too obscure. We've seen obscure characters before were pay off for Marvel, i.e. the Guardians of the Galaxy. But please let me know if this could be a thing that's a little bit too obscure as a series coming up later... I'm thinking 2024 at the earliest for Disney+. Yeah. Plus. You know, I, I think that Wonder Man is kind of like a, a product of that weird competitiveness between DC and Marvel where they're always ripping heroes off from each other. DC had a Justice League that had featured some kind of like Spider-Man-like hero not too long ago. So I, I don't know. I, I think that Wonder Man is definitely obscure, but I think it makes sense that they're bringing him into the world because... He was created by Baron Zemo, so I wonder, my thoughts are it's going to have some kind of tie into the Thunderbolts in some way. Could so, be a possibility. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the only thing that really makes sense to me, you know, unless they're trying to capture some kind of, like, echo of the Flash, you know, like trying to create their own version of that that keeps people going back like they do to the CW season after season. But I, I don't see that being the case. I see this more of being like a tie in to the Thunderbolts movie coming out because, you know, it's a series like this because his origins revolve so strongly around Baron Zemo. I definitely see this being some kind of tie in to what they're doing next with that character. You know, it's so funny that there actually was a Wonder Man on screen for Marvel, but we never saw the light of day as consumers unless you watch bonus footage of the DVD as Nathan Fillion was a Wonder Man. That was oh, created yeah, in Guardians that. of the Galaxy Volume 2, but all of those parts were cut out there because I guess for some reason Marvel said, no, we don't want want uh, this type of character on the screen as of yet. And look, 10 years later almost, and, and there you go. Mm-hmm. You get yourself a Wonder Man in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, so Nathan Fillion went on to voice play a voice in MODOK. Yeah, so absolutely. And he's done DC with the Suicide Squad. So with uh, the MDK, I think the one, the guy with the detachable arms and all that from, from mm-hmm. the Suicide Squad. So yes, uh, Nathan Fillion's gone on to do some great things, but it is Wonder Man. I'm curious to see how he's going to incorporate himself into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who they will finally get to play Wonder Man. But the guy behind 
Shang-Chi and the Legend Ten Rings, Destin Daniel Cretton, and Andrew Guess are the guys behind Wonder Man. So what are your thoughts out there on the Wonder Man? Wonder Man coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, most likely in a series for Disney Plus, but I don't see it happening until 2024 the earliest because the, the slate is kind of full right now for the MCU. But what are your thoughts on Wonder Man heading to the MCU? Please let us know. Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My friend, before we go ahead and head on out, some great things to talk about, including some stuff on Paramount Plus. Players, which is something I think every gamer out there wants to know a little bit more about. It's a mockumentary based off the life of League of Legends players with a fictional League of Legends team. Gets a new player in there. There's a superstar player who is a little bit older, i.e. 25, because in that industry, you hit your mid-20s, you're going downhill already. So it showcases where there's a younger player coming in as a budding superstar and the dynamic as far as the two battling against each other and creating this sort of controversy from there. So it's players that's available now. It's gotten some decent ratings over there for Paramount+. Plus. Your thoughts on players? That could be something that maybe garners a little bit more interest for the world of esports? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I didn't actually know what this show was until a couple of days ago, and I saw a trailer for it. I'm like, oh, that, that could be interesting. You know, yeah, it came out, of, I think, over a little over a week ago. Yeah, because it, it's funny. If you look at uh, Paramount Plus, has actually been putting out a lot of content like this. You look at oh. one show that they've become really popular for that just went to a second season is that Texas Six, where they're chronicling lives of a six-man football team in um, Strawn, Texas. And that one's done a great deal of numbers for them so i'm wondering if they're trying to capture that magic with esports but then again this is not so much about putting an esports team together it's more of, of you know like you this said, is a mockumentary it's a fictional yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. we'll see if the gaming community at large actually goes ahead and turns on paramount plus to watch players season one so please let us know if you're checking out this funny ode to the world of League of Legends and the fact that, yes, what's not so funny is how popular League of Legends is around the world and the whole tournament and the LCS gaming scene. So we want to know your thoughts on the mockumentary players season one on Paramount+. Plus. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But I also, if you watch Paramount+, Plus and you check out Evil, Season 3, a show that originally debuted on CBS that has gone over and moved over like Navy SEALs did to Paramount Plus and is actually getting really, really strong ratings. It's got a 92 for Season 3 on Metacritic to show how very well received it is. Your thoughts on Evil, this battling against the forces of evil each and every week. So this is a show that's gone under the radar even when it was on CBS and now it's on Paramount Plus. The reason why it's getting a lot of news is because, again, it has scored really high with the critics this time around for Season 3. Your thoughts on Evil for Paramount+. Plus? This is one of those, kind of reminds me a little bit of, I don't know, didn't they try to make an Exorcist TV show at one point? Something like that, yeah. This this goes down that realm. Yeah, yeah, and I know they have that show, I forget what it's called, but it's made by the... uh, Haunting of Hill House guy on Netflix. It's kind of like that, and then there's Preacher. I don't know, it's just like, all these people trying to capture a subgenre of horror that has not been explored very well in television. From what I understand, people like it. So it's not, you know, I don't really have a lot to speak on it. Well, I can say it's a good move for them to go yeah. ahead and switch over from CBS to Paramount Plus for this type of show because the first thing that pops up is TVMA now for the shows on season three for Evil, which is something you could never put on CBS oh, as far yeah, as something yeah. with and increase that type of content for a show named evil 
where they're battling evil, you do mm-hmm. need to go into a darker realm, and a TVMA rating allows you to go ahead and do a lot more with this IP. This is uh, something we're probably going to see a lot more of, too. I mean, you saw this with uh, Lucifer, too. Like, they're able to do things they couldn't do on TV. But, yeah, yeah we're, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see more and more of this. So as time goes on and the streaming platforms grow, we're going to see more companies picking up broadcast television shows that have been canceled and giving them new life and expanding on stories in ways they never could before. Because television, you're you're limited by what? It's the FCA, right? I think the FCC. FCC that dictates what you can and can't put on television and, and with, radio and radio and with streaming services you can't I mean I wouldn't be surprised so no streaming, bad words young man right and I wouldn't be surprised if the streaming services you know make them irrelevant too we love you FCC to say that to say that <laughs> so be nice to us anyways I wanted to go ahead and make sure everybody knows about evil season three and players season one on Paramount plus but Finishing up our conversation on this, Paramount Plus, I think, is a streaming network that is really trying hard to get your money as far as trying to go ahead and provide a value for you. I really want to compliment them because since that major advertising campaign and since they switched over to what they were before, to what they are now with Paramount Plus, and they made the name change and they made this change to go ahead and concentrate more on that streaming platform, Paramount Plus has really done more by leaps and bounds to go ahead and get you in as a viewer. The Star Trek shows, Picard was eh, but I will say that Discovery has been really good, and I will say that now Star Trek Strange New Worlds has been killing it. It comes across on screen that they really are enjoying what they're doing with Star Trek Strange New Worlds, so I really highly recommend it. And of course, the biggest shows on the network, which is Halo and 1883 and all the Yellowstone spinoffs that they're throwing on there. So that I think is right there telling you that Paramount Plus is becoming a serious player in the streaming industry. Yeah, it was really smart of them to revive these old Nickelodeon properties too, because now they're creating a market for kids yeah. as well, yeah. which is they have a Star that, Trek show just for kids on Nickelodeon. Right. Yeah. And this is something that, you know, like Peacock can't boast about doing and a lot of these other like Hulu has, I don't even know if they have a kids section on there, but you look at Netflix, they have a a kids option. Disney Plus lets you control what your kids are watching. And this is something I'm seeing Paramount Plus do too. So, I mean, they're adding an infrastructure within their platform that is making it more user-friendly for not just parents, but also, you know, young kids as well. Well, I'll tell you what, I am just thankful that Paramount Plus is putting out what it can because it's trying... Anything that we can go ahead to make this competition for your streaming dollar a little bit more worthwhile and not just defaulting to Disney Plus, HBO Max, and Netflix is good to me because I like now seeing the fact that Apple TV has upped its game. I like the fact that now Paramount Plus, since the name change, has upped its game. I like the fact now that they are taking this seriously about what they can do to go ahead and put good stuff out. Amazon Prime themselves is starting to put out a lot more good content. So I really am enjoying this. I know it's a lot for everybody out there. I know it's like the, when cable blew up and you had to choose all over again with the satellite and cable and all that. But it's to me, ultimately, it is better to have all these options than to not have these options. Yes, I mean, that's true. It was just nice when we could get all this content from all these providers on Netflix. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I get it. You know, I get why if there's money to be made, they're going to do it. But yeah, I mean, the, the only outlets that I'm constantly subscribed to, you know, are Netflix, Disney and Paramount Plus. HBO Max, though, is still doing a great job as well. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts out there on Paramount Plus? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Capcom and of course Final Fantasy. I know we talked about a little bit on the Friday show about the second part about how Final Fantasy 7 is being extended and reimagined as a trilogy for this remake called Rebirth. Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, which is going to be coming out next year, which is the second part of this trilogy for what now Final Fantasy 7 is going to become. Plus Final Fantasy 16 is on the way. That was announced during the state of play. Final Fantasy 14 has a whole bunch of add-on stuff, as you already know already, since you just recently got it. But also Capcom with Street Fighter 6 and all that, Resident Evil. 
There's the Resident Evil Village is going to come to VR, Resident Evil 4, the remake. All this good stuff from Capcom and Square Enix with Final Fantasy. Capcom did something interesting. You know, I was fully expecting DLC for Village, and Village was an amazing game. So if you haven't had a chance to play this game, definitely check it out. Shadows of Rose is a story DLC coming out. But what's really flipping things for me is that they're moving back to this the third-person point of view, right? So, like, one of the best things I think Resident Evil ever did was go first-person. You know, and that happened in Resident Evil 7. That happened there, and that was uh, really made that game truly terrifying because you were in the shoes of, like, Ethan Winters, and, you know, you're trying to rescue your wife and all. So it's just, it was a truly terrifying game. And, you know, and I wonder if they're doing it because you're switching to the perspective of Ethan's daughter, Rose, here. So I it, I guess it would make sense, but I just, like, I love the first-person gameplay, so I don't know why they take a step backwards, but then again, I don't make the games. so And I know Village is coming out with a third-person mode, too. So, I don't know. It just changes the dynamic for me. Uh, they're releasing a multiplayer mode. Monster Hunter has more stuff coming out. Street Fighter is the one I kind of want to talk about, though. It's looking like there's an open-world mode in Street Fighter Six. Like, am I off in my assumptions of this? Well, I don't know if it's an open-world per se yet, fully well, reimagined. Like a- fully realized but i think that at some point in time i think that a fighting game is going to have to go ahead and do that it's going to have to go into an open world type scenario where you could just go and pick fights with random people like that out there in the world uh, of whatever game that you're in but yeah i think that's ultimately what's going to happen i think there are going to be some open worldish elements with street fighter 6 just to expand this game even more but i'm i'm hoping that it will actually go ahead and, and expand it even more than i'm doing but i don't think it will be full-on open world you no, can just go yeah. out of it just a, a minimal open world at the least because yeah. you know, they're showing you're able to kind of walk around the city a little bit and go from fight to fight and you know it kind of reminds me a little bit of of the yakuza games yeah but those are good games those, those are, are games. yeah and those are great games but looking at this like you because know, they, they have forza right i would say forza horizon has rejuvenated the racing genre game, the racing yes. sims or whatever you want to call them. Looking at this, like this could be the next evolution in fighting games because this is something that's never been done before. And it's super interesting. You know, I was telling Brian Wagner from Super BS, I was like, hey, this could be what gets me back into Street Fighter. Where Square Enix and Final Fantasy, what are your thoughts on going on there? Okay, so Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion absolutely excited about this game i loved crisis core on psp and this always irritated me because there's no way to play this game right now unless you have a psp you know they've done they've re-released these old games on like switch and xbox you know you can play the mainline games but you can never play crisis core and this looks like it's a everyone's calling it not a remake but a remaster but it looks like it's remade everything looks like it's made in the same graphics engine as the final fantasy remakes game so i'm sorry i just gotta laugh when we always talk on this show about remaster remake reboot it's just like we all have to keep it straight i have to keep it straight it's just so hard all the terms yeah lining up so i'm really excited if we have a hard time just talk about the general public at large how they perceive it exactly surprisingly crisis core is coming out on xbox but they have not made any announcements about final fantasy remake being put out on xbox yet even though the exclusivity deal i think is over at the end of the year they haven't made any announcements about hitting xbox so it makes it seem like putting crisis core reunion out on xbox is kind of pointless if you can't play the game that it's leading into that doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I, everyone was expecting, you know, we got it released on Steam, but everyone's expecting it to hit uh, Xbox consoles, but it doesn't seem like they're planning on doing that anytime soon. Rebirth looks cool. I mean, I'm kind of doubting it's going to be out by next Christmas because it's a Tetsuya Nomura project. And he, remember Final Fantasy 14, was it 15? That took like 10 years and went through like three different name changes before it was finally released. And Ever Crisis looks all right. I never really played First Soldier, but I don't know. Like, there's a lot in the. Wasn't Final the joke Fantasy. on Final Fantasy 15 is that it started out as Final Fantasy 5? It was Final Fantasy versus 13. No, I was just kidding. I was just oh. saying it started out as Final Fantasy 5, and just so many years passed. Oh by yeah, and they added. Yep, exactly. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm excited for all this Final Fantasy stuff. You know, it sounds like for the next couple of years we'll have a lot of Final Fantasy to play. 
there also comes a danger of much like the Assassin's Creed games. Remember when they started pushing things out? They reached a point where there's like two Assassin's Creed games coming out one year. I think one was like the Ezio. Yeah, but it's never stopped Final Fantasy. It's never stopped Square Enix. I mean, they'll put on, if you had a serial and they wanted to go ahead and license a serial, they'll throw a Final Fantasy name on that. Yeah, they they will. But I mean, I just like, you look at the past, right? Like there was Final Fantasy Type-0 originally started out as Final Fantasy 13, Ajito, I think it was called. And they restructured that one. But that one is like one of the most, it was fun, but to the, the general public, it's like one of the most forgettable Final Fantasies ever made. And you have the the after years and then you have Cerberus which I was expecting them to talk about this anniversary thing but I don't know like I, I will say I do I am intrigued highly intrigued by the new Final Fantasy 7 narrative but then they did that confusing thing like oh what if something's out of time and blah 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 kind of like Tetsuya Nomura's Kingdom Hearts his heartless has a heartless and their heartless like it's just I hope he doesn't convolute what's already a very confusing story I don't like Nomura very much because he takes forever and his stories are so confusing. So I just hope he doesn't wreck this game. Final fantasy confusing. Oh, that could never happen. Uh, To be fair, man. I mean, the last couple entries in the series have been pretty straightforward as opposed to past entries, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay. As I told Melinda on the Friday show, just see this tree of Final what, Fantasy just like branching out all over the place, what are, just like make, becoming a forest in and of itself. What are her thoughts? So, can you summarize for me? Like, oh, I have It's, just, it's, so, it's yeah, so intimidating. Not a whole lot because it's so intimidating getting into Final Fantasy if you're not into Final Fantasy because there's so much Final Fantasy. It's just like, yeah. where do you start? You know, it's just something right. like with people, they know Final Fantasy seven. If you're a gamer, because you've heard of it or you've seen it or you played it in some form or fashion because it's so ingrained into the gaming culture. But yeah. where do you start if you haven't approached Final Fantasy? No. That's the most intimidating. Thing. Yeah. And I feel like they're going to have to reboot at some point because people don't know nowadays, like modern gamers aren't aware of the, well, a lot of them are, but like if they're trying to sell this franchise to a new generation of gamers coming up, like, yeah, the numbers are intimidating. You're like, oh, so I have to play eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 games. Well, what about Final Fantasy okay. Tactics or Final Fantasy? This, right. Final Fantasy? I mean, they've attached the Final Fantasy name to everything. Well, that was like, um, uh, what was it? Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, right? And I think Trials of Mana started out as a Final Fantasy game. It, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I totally get it. And that's why I think they need to like reboot the numbers if they want to keep this franchise relevant, especially if they're reaching towards like Final Fantasy 20 or whatever. That's going to be rough for people. What are your thoughts out there on all the things going on in the world of Final Fantasy? Please let us know, Pop Culture Cosmos, on your social media and popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, another great week in store for you right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't forget, I will eat some crow on the air. Well, not literally a crow because the Humane Society will be after me. But I will be doing something to go ahead and allow Melinda the great opportunity to roast me for my incorrectness on the Friday show. But my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you as always for being my compadre in crime. Happy Father's Day to you one last time, but any last thoughts before we head on out? Yeah, so I watched Moonfall. (laughs) I've still got shivers from that. Oh, Oh. Uh, Did did you you see it? Oh, yes, I did. Okay, I heard it was bad. I thought, yeah. Okay. I need something for my worst of list. Yeah. It was know. there. Like it was like a knockoff of of Halo, and so many actually mostly Halo is kind of a knockoff of it, mostly it gave Halo. Me bad but, Geostorm vibes, man. Yeah, and Geostorm. But a part of me really appreciates like what they tried to do, but it just was not done well like i can appreciate the like mythology or like oh they're humans way out in the universe at some point just like halo you know and i appreciate them trying to create a sci-fi thing and you can tell they're trying to prepare for a sequel which probably won't happen but i don't know man i think roland emmerich uh he's just he's a filmmaker that never truly made his way out of the 90s or early 2000s just bad yeah yeah It was not as bad as 2021. Actually, it was worse in 2021. I take that back. John Cusack was at least enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I, I don't say that, but yes. If you want the worst of 2022, pretty sure that it will be on Moonfall. your list. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. 
It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great